0: good afternoon good good afternoon and good morning to everyone here um you know the purpose of these webcasts is to global conversations webcast is to dive deeper into trends and issues facing equity practitioners uh particularly pertaining to organizational cultures from global and local perspectives uh for today's webcast our guests Luz gonzalez janine ting jensen and Marsha Ramrup, will be having a conversation about Emotional and cultural intelligence, the similarities, the differences uh, and these concepts which are simply about uh, establishing basic human rights for employees. So without further ado, I just want to transfer over to Priya where uh, where we're going to talk about Well, she's going to just give a land acknowledgement and then go into introductions of of everyone here. So uh, Priya, go ahead.
1: Thank you, Andre. We're acknowledging that we are meeting on Aboriginal land that has been inhabited by Indigenous peoples from the beginning. As settlers, we're grateful for the opportunity to meet here and we thank all the generations of people who have taken care of this land for thousands of years. As we gather here today, there have been Aboriginal peoples who have been the stewards of this place. In particular, we acknowledge the traditional territory of the Haudenosaunee and Anishinaabeg. This territory is covered by the Upper Canada Treaties. We recognize and deeply appreciate their historic connection to this place. I also recognize the contributions of Metis, Inuit, and other Indigenous peoples have made both in shaping and strengthening this community, in particular in our province and country as a whole. As settlers, this recognition of the contributions and historic importance of Indigenous peoples must also be clearly and overtly connected to our collective commitment to make the promise and the challenge of truth and reconciliation real in our communities and in particular to bring justice for murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls across the country.
0: Thank you for that uh, poignant uh, introduction to our Indigenous peoples here in Canada and uh, throughout the world. Um, So first, I want to start off our conversation uh, with our introductions of our guests. So uh, without further ado, uh, you know, Marsha, start us off by telling us about yourself, your work and your and your purpose of why you're why you started unheard uh, voice uh, consultancy.
1: Well,
2: thank you so much. It's great to be here. Uh, I join you uh, from the Midlands in the UK, uh, Derby, Derbyshire, um, the land of pride and prejudice, if you have seen that. Um, And I, why am I in inclusion work? Really, really good question, because I I had a 30-year career in broadcasting uh, before I went full pelt into sort of um, full-time inclusion work, if you like. And um, I'd been for a, a job interview, which I didn't get, and I uh had impressed one of the panelists and he asked to meet me for a coffee, I was, yeah, okay, great, you know, could could lead something else. So I went for this coffee with this um editor. and I was trying to explain to him how I thought it was really important that when we were doing our journalism, when we we were trying to run our radio stations and and, and, and produce our news, that we went into communities and really listened to those voices, to those communities. Everyone has to pay their BBC licence fee in the UK. So why aren't we properly representing them? Why are we really listening to their stories the way they went on told? And um, I said to him really passionately, I said, we need to give the unheard voice a place to speak. And he said, that's a really good line. And I said that it's not a line. It's what I believe. And but having articulated it in that way, I realized that actually that's what I had always believed and what I'd always worked on. And what I'd always tried to bring is uh, this idea that uh, what you know certain individuals in newsrooms decided was the news it wasn't necessarily the news for everybody you know uh what was important to different people in different perspectives was really really crucial so i started to develop lots of different things including um work around cultural intelligence and try to bring that into um, inclusive reporting and how we approached our, our audiences and then um uh found that uh, my expertise was required outside of that organization. So I could start my little side hustle, unheard voice, five years ago. Um and um and with you know it was really clear I was always going to call it unheard voice as soon as someone said to me, oh, you know, if you set up on your own, I'll hire you. Um, and the tagline there it is, giving the unheard voice a place to speak up above my left shoulder. And um Yeah, so that's what I do, and I went into the built environment sector very particularly because I really felt that if I could influence the creation of inclusive spaces, I could influence the creation of inclusive society. So the built environment and engineering are really fundamental to how we interact with each other, so uh, I I really sort of were concentrating on those two sectors in order to, to Bring about the change we all want to see, and I could take up the whole podcast just talk about me, but I, I realize there are a couple of other people here as well. <laughs> uh,
0: no, 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 that's great. I mean, the thing is, what I what I uh, would be remiss to say is, you know, uh, a couple of things is, you know, having my initial background in urban planning, that's where we kind of. Uh, have that connection in, in that perspective in terms of built environments, and now you know both of us moving into this space. And of course, you know without without mention here is about the the Trinidadian part. I was so, gonna say
1: right? together, so, we aspire, so, together we aspire, together we achieve.
0: <laughs> I'm surprised you don't have the flag behind wow. you because Grenoble just happened. But anyway, I digress here, so we can go on about that. Um, so now you know i'm gonna i'm gonna turn it over to uh, janine now you know janine and i have just known each other for for a little less than a year but i mean a lot of her you know a lot of our conversations have centered around initially it was around uh, esg work and then she uh contacted me she was like you know what i want to do something a little different and and this is the topic we were talking about cultural intelligence emotional intelligence so um you know i'm great to uh have you uh here janine and
3: Tell everyone about yourself too. Thank you, thank you, Andre, and it's a pleasure to be here with Marsha, Luz, and Priya. Marsha, I love your story about a coffee turning into right the next best thing that you just leaned into. Um, it's a wonderful story to share. I, for me, I I like to use the phrase unapologetically ambicultural, and I use that word as an American born um third gen here in in America because i identify fully as being mexican and chinese both my parents have mexican and chinese heritage both of them and there's a really fascinating thing that happens to me when i meet people cuz they ask where i'm from i say i'm from new york and we go down this rabbit hole and it turns into this like really curious of how can your parents be both and oh your grandparents are both so when i navigate through this it becomes this like well why is this important and relevant I see Marcia laughing, to the conversation. And, and this happens to me a lot. Um, but but turning that into the story of me going to college, the first to go to college in my family, getting my master's. I actually did my master's, um, one of my papers on the Trinidadian story. So a time for another day um, on that, because we did the, the reverse minority conversation about what that looks like. And we actually went there in person and did the study. And it was Really fascinating from um, a disparities perspective of what that looks like. So that that's me in my master's program, but it evolved to me to landing in law firms and finance, and now pharmaceuticals. Navigating the diversity space as an both an HR professional diversity manager and now being a global lead for diversity at a company. So all of those things come into play with the lived experience I have. So leading to this conversation, I think it's really important to acknowledge where people are and it's really difficult to do so without having some kind of baseline. And I think CQ, EQ, these assessments that we look at, they help begin the conversation. They're not the solution, but they get us started in a place where we can all see where we are, where we are meeting each other and going from there. So that's where I like to focus this work and really being um, honest about learning about other cultures that are not my own, where my experience is unique to my myself, I'm also a mom of three kids, and having to really coach them and guide them through through life as someone who looks different. Right, that's my next that's my next wonderful goal in my life. So, put, pulling all of that together to say that this is something there. It's just constant in my life from a, both an academic and professional and personal piece, and however I can share that conversation to really advance allyship. In the space, understanding and changing lived experiences—that's what I'm here for. So, thanks, Andre, for inviting me. I'm looking forward to digging deeper into this.
0: Thanks for this, uh, Janine, and uh, I didn't even know that part about the, the, your master's paper. So now that we have this connection here, I mean, <laughs> you know, Andre just kind was of just left too out, too out here. Although, although there's that connection of the, of the <laughs> East Coast over here, where you know, is from New Jersey, so um you know and Luz and i have gone back it's almost a year since that course uh, that we both took yeah. um you know uh edi in the, or di in the workplace course and uh with, uh, with diakana and um and yeah so and then we've remained friends ever since just talking about you know our work and whatnot so um just uh tell everyone about uh tell about yourself and and etc same thing goes for you
4: Thank you Andre and thank you so much It's so great to be in this group with all of you and hear more information. So one of the things that interested me was throughout the majority of my life, I was always filling gaps, what do you need I got it, what do you need I got it, but I never really felt like I belonged. I felt like I had to include myself and then transform and adapt who I was to merge with whatever society microcosm I was in microculture until. I went through a series of hardships, a breakup, heartbreak, my child got sick, just one after the other. And I heard this beautiful comment by this renowned author, Gary Zukoff. He said, if you hurt and hurt and hurt, and love and love and love, it's not love you're feeling, it's actually fear, because love does not hurt. And that blew my mind because i'm latina and latinas were passionate and love is like i'll die for you i love you i'm gonna kill for you and i was like wait a minute if i if i love and love and love and i heard and i heard and i heard that's not love what does that mean so i dove deeper and i started finding out we're always looking for external sources to help us guide us but we're missing out on the most valuable piece of information which is our internal body processing system, our body is communicating with us. When you feel a lump in your throat, check it out. What's What are the thoughts covered beneath that? If you're feeling an elephant on your chest, what's going on? And then we're creating decisions from these unconscious thoughts. So I was like blown out of my mind. I went into one of these groups and it was like I finally found my tribe these people speak by language it wasn't about trigger proofing the environment it was about recognizing the triggers from within so how do you do that then I dove deeply into emotional awareness emotional intelligence cultural awareness all of these things to try to learn more about myself and how through my filters I was experiencing the world and I was removing myself from my power so with that, I went back to college and then I realized I could coach women. I started coaching women in 2016 and I've been very attracted to entrepreneurs that that entity of individual who is a risk taker, but a risk taker with, you know, boundaries because you have to make money. And um and then I started my own business called EQ Refined because I realized professors are putting people into teams. Organizations are putting people into teams. But people don't know their own intrinsic self. They don't know their strengths. They don't know their weaknesses. There's that introvert that doesn't know how to participate. There's that alpha energy that is like domineering. There's group think. And every team, every group of people has this. Now, if we all know how to start learning our own self, our own needs, or how we read our unconscious biases, then how can we contribute with a new sense of integrity, with a new sense of intention and moving forward without blame or victimization. So that's where my strive is to go towards. I go to organizations, I give trainings, keynote speaking on emotional intelligence, on inclusive language, on leadership. And I've been very excited because this is all about belonging and inclusion.
0: Oh, that was a great story to, to hear actually from all of you, you know, all your stories were great. And, and, uh, you know, talking about your, your experiences throughout your career was, uh, and what influenced you to get into, to the careers that you have now are, are, are inspirational and, and, uh, something that our listeners and, and those watching could, uh, could take note of. So let's, uh, let's, let's start the conversation. I mean, you know, look, we talked about belonging, and unconscious bias and whatnot and what i'm hearing from initially uh is this introspection aspect of it and you know and i find that more with um you know emotional intelligence something that daniel goleman had talked about uh you know in his books in his uh book and whatnot and and yet you know we find that there's differences and similarities with cultural intelligence and emotional intelligence and i'm actually just what i call myself as a student of of uh you know of uh, cultural intelligence so you know lose I, I just want to start off with you in terms of you know is this a starting point looking because it sounds like it, you look inside yourself first before you look outwards to that uh to have that conversation more uh more globally understanding people's cultures when it comes to cultural intelligence. I might be totally wrong on this, but I think that's what I'm what I'm getting from from uh, from your starting point.
4: Yes, totally. It all starts from within. We've lived in a culture where everything is external. The way I'm feeling is based on what someone said, uh, based on how the day is going. But it's if you go internally you start looking on how can I reshape this? If you look at the definitions of growth mindset, of of curiosity, all of that has a root foundation in internal search, supporting yourself, equilibrium from within. I have a very simple analogy. When I'm at the dentist and they're doing something in there that I'm like not happy with, I realize I stop breathing. And I learned this in yoga. When you want to connect your body mind and your spirit it's about flow it's about breath and that's all internal so when this dentist is in my mouth and i'm like not i'm like ow pain i realize i'm not in my breath so when i become in my breath i have to first realize it and then when i'm in my breath i don't feel the pain like before because now my focus is on breath so how is it if we could focus and equilibrium and bring equilibrium into ourselves first by focusing on breath. And I want to bring up a McKenzie study that talked about the five levels of awareness. It's called dual, they called it dual awareness, external and internal, but it really breaks down awareness into five different levels. In the very first level, I was talking to a colleague. She's like, where am I? I said, you're on the first level. You're unaware. If you can't hold breath for two minutes, then what else are you living reactively where else are you putting out fires in your life so yeah in my opinion it starts with self assessment
0: and uh marsha your you know your thoughts uh, especially given the fact that you know we talk about um you know those internal factors and you know is this is this a a starting point like i said of of looking at us you know, as professionals working in this space? Or is there something more that we should be adding to this?
2: No, I absolutely agree that it starts with self. And and the thing about um, what I say about cultural intelligence is that um, the the language of cultural intelligence is not confrontational, but the level of introspection required can be uncomfortable. And um, it is about introspection because um, being inclusive, inclusive behaviours, it's not about other people and their characteristics, it's about yourself, your team, your organisation and its behaviours. And so uh, needing to hold up the mirror and do that piece of introspection is absolutely crucial. It's where it starts. It's about what can I do? What is it about me that needs to change? So I can be more inclusive of you, whoever you are, because identities are multifaceted. It's funny talking, uh, listening to Janine there talking about her Chinese Mexican background and I was smiling and laughing because she was saying how people say, Well, you know, how how how, how is that how does that happen? And, and so, well, when a mummy and a daddy love each other very much, then that's what happens. You, you get a child, whatever their background is. Um, but when it comes down to that introspection piece of you know, who is it about? me and and the cultural intelligence that that is ultimately what the question is how can we work and relate effectively with others is it who who am i what do i identify as my beliefs values perspectives what is my background and when i understand where i'm coming from i can then appreciate the gap that may exist between me and those um and others who may have a different background perspective value and understanding that what's acceptable and familiar to me may not be acceptable and familiar to you that doesn't mean that either of us are necessarily right or wrong it's just a different perspective and understanding what that different perspective is does take some work because it can feel wrong you know i believe this and you believe that and you know w- how can the twain meet right so um I like to use the analogy of a coin where uh, when it comes to different perspectives and, and doing that introspective piece of work, when you look at a coin sort of face on, it's like you can see a circle. And But when you look at its side on, it's a line. And, um, you know, I could be saying circle and they could be saying line, but if you just take the smallest of shifts you realize actually you can be looking at the same thing. So it's trying to find those points where you are looking at the same thing. So you can have that conversation, but it starts from who am I? What do I believe? How do I feel? What are my emotions? What are my backgrounds? How does that influence who I am? And so there is a huge piece of self-awareness there. Um, But the cultural intelligence piece is recognizing that when other people feel or act differently, it isn't just about your emotions, there there could be a different layer of uh, understanding around how that's interpreted and how that's played out that is
0: answerable um, through culture. And Janine, anything uh, to add to that? I mean, you've you've, you've touched upon it. Well, we've touched about it a lot here, but I'm sure there's a lot you can add to this.
3: You know, I love Luz and Marsha's approach with this, right, because there's so many different ways to really share how we go down this path. And I think one of the the common pieces that's showing up um, is what I like to focus on is self-confidence, right? To have the self-confidence to share your uniqueness in the workplace. And part of that is really exploring your, with yourself what you're willing to share. Right, because when you can look yourself in the mirror, explore what you're willing to share, you're really signaling to others how you would like to be treated. Right, because we want to make sure we're moving away from treating everyone the same. Right, treating how, right, how you know you would like to be treated. It's how the person in front of you wants to be treated, and the only way we can do that is to really understand that person, embrace the uniqueness of who they are, and really walk in their their lived experience and kind of try that on to to walk next to them. Right, so the self confidence for yourself having bravery to learn about things you don't know about having courage to learn about things. That's where we all evolve. because our lived experience is unique, and it's not something to be shy to wave on. But we're taught to assimilate we're taught to really adapt to go along to get along to really just be in commonality with one another the fact that we could all be parents, right? The fact that we can all live within a certain range of, of a hometown, and we're suddenly we're like, wow, wow, we have this in common, and then we land there. But really getting away from that to, wow, this is, this is how I'm different, and explaining to people your difference, and really being brave about it, that's where we start to get to the differences of opinion being welcomed at the table, so from a business perspective, that really drives different, stronger decisions, different decisions, because the journey to get there is harder and it is hard work. Um, the, you know, when Luz was talking before about these different levels, I was thinking of the cultural assessment I use the IDI, Intercultural Development Inventory, they also have five levels going from denial to adaptation and thinking about where you are and where you think you are that's a piece of that philosophy but it kind of comes back to that what is your lived experience and your learning but also what are you willing to share of yourself so I think all of these pieces are important for anyone to consider as they evolve in understanding their CQ and EQ.
0: Thanks for that um you know I'm listening to your conversation uh, Janine about you know about. Uh, you know those five steps and whatnot and and all of this talking about introspection but you know as i was doing some research into this uh into this topic or these topics if you will uh and for me i'm i'm like uh, a fan of adam grant and you know adam grant the organizational psychologist out of uh i forget which university it is now but you know one of the things that he talked about in his book think again and he's written in the past about where he's had a problem with emotional intelligence and it has to do with um you know control um I know in one of his blogs he he you know he referred to some some leaders who who use it as control and use it as something to to change the narrative and and it's not really uh not really emotionally intelligent really I mean it's just you know it has a dark side and they rob us of capacities of reason. So, for anyone, I mean, lose you're the you're the one who's who really uh, high uh, hones in on emotional intelligence. So, what would you say to, to to Adam Grant about this? And and for the both of you, what would you say to him about about that as well? Like, so that's that's something I'm curious to hear.
4: I thought that was an interesting statement because with anything, you can have a level of manipulation. So for example, I could offer you a cup of water. Am I offering you the cup of water because I think you're thirsty and you might want some? Or am I offering you a cup of water so that you can see that I'm on your side, you can start to like me and I can start to get some favors or maybe this could be transactional, now you owe me something. So there's very there's an urgency and importance when you're really looking into emotional awareness and intelligence as to where is your intention. And people don't know what your intention are, but you can when you start to tap in to your body. And that's where the physical sensations come into play that I mentioned to you. There was a situation, for example, I was in a conference and it was an emotional conference where people were you know, sharing personal stories and the lady beside me starts bawling like, <gasps> And I start like, hello, is nobody here going to stop this to address what's going on with this individual? And so I decided, let me go through my own process. So let me scan my body. How am I feeling right now? And I knew that I was feeling this heaviness in my chest, and it was due to her uh, exhibition of emotion. And I realized if I'm feeling something uncomfortable, physically uncomfortable, then that means it's more about me there's something in my thought process. It's not so much about her, but it's more about me. And I realized, perhaps I'm uncomfortable, and I want her to stop so I can be comfortable. So I allowed the process to go through me. And, and she had her process. Later on, she stood up and thanked the group for allowing her to purge in this safe environment, because I would have interrupted that process. So this is where the self-awareness comes into play. This is where I have to see where's my intention? Was it a manipulative move? Because, you know, we can hold our tongue when it's to our boss, but can we hold our tongue when it's our loved one? So you see what I'm saying? There's different intentions that we hold, and we are the ones who have to be aware of our own intention. Am I manipulating in this moment or am I really being emotionally aware as to what my intentions are? And so that's my response to the comment that you mentioned earlier, in a sense, is it is it something that can be used for harm when someone can be charming or shape shifter or they shift their language and it's very transactional, connect to yourself. What is your intuition telling you? What's your gut saying? Pause. I, I'm a big advocate for pausing and breathing. And then feeling inside, how do I want to move forward with this relationship?
2: Can I just jump in there, Andre? Is that all right? It's just, I've I've got on my wall here a little post-it note. So I'm just going to reach across and and it's it's this on it, right? 90 second pause is the difference between a reaction and a response. I'm I'm pretty sure you've probably Mm -hmm. come across this before. Yeah, Yeah, 90 second pause is the difference between a reaction and a response. And I absolutely, I, I, I hear, everything that Lucy just said and I'm sure Janine would agree that actually cultural intelligence as well can be used it can be used in a manipulative way it's absolutely about the intention of the person and there's nothing like there's any tool you know, like a pen. <laughs> a pen is that, you know, they say pa- pen is a powerful weapon, right, in in terms of when you're writing something, but actually it could like physically be used to stab somebody. Uh, so it's how, it's, it's about the person and their intentions and, and their, their the way that they want to impact, because cultural intelligence as well can be, you know, someone who knows how to use it, can use it to manipulate if they want um and we've got to um there's nothing we can do about that we can only control what we can control in terms of the way that we share our, our understanding about how people behave how um how it can be used how its benefits uh have been shown to 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 bring about inclusion etc i i don't i don't think we should we should stop sharing these ideas because they can be manipulated and used i mean ill intentioned people the world over will file find ill intention regardless of whether it's emotional intelligence cultural intelligence or or, or or any anything else you know manipulative people are manipulative people i'm sorry to say
3: yeah i i hear you Marsha and lose i love your approach as well and the, the pause right the idea that you don't need to react, you can you can be silent. Silent is acceptance um, of, you know, waiting. When, when I think of this, this idea of manipulation, I think of how can we skill everyone to understand cultural intelligence? Because when we can increase the skill in more people in these groups that are underrepresented, in the groups that don't have access, that's where we can give them back the control and the power. So the concept of just really Opening up the door of the skills that we need that we know can work that's empowering, right? It's accessibility that creates equity, equity of access to things, right? To really navigate rooms. Because, as an individual, and you're walking into a business room or into a job or wherever you need to get something, evaluating before you go in, what are the things I need today? what is it that I need to make me feel good right to open up your feeling of I got I'm content and it's not that we all win every time right we all get a little bit of something we want but the idea that we are navigating that negotiation into each room into each situation and really identifying if we're being manipulated right not that we can fix it each time but really just turning that around to say I'm not going to participate in this right I'm going to have my 90 second pause find that tool that's gonna slow it down so that you can take back more control and really shift that. So I I think of it as, yes, it's a tool that can be manipulated, but it also goes both ways. We can also take back the control to use this tool as an influencer to get what we need as well and make it better for everyone in the room. Right? we all talk about the woman who's spoken over in a meeting right the person who has less access to the room because they're not physically there we talk about these inequities and we talk about allyship of how we can really support someone in a room versus speaking for them these are the things we can do at emotional intelligence so maybe you see someone in the room who's unable to navigate it and you see them constantly being shut down and you see them walking away with a a emotional feeling of they they look like they're going to cry when they leave their room what are we doing to help them so I, I think of it as if there's a groundswelling that's possible with using this tool more often um, with more awareness and that and that's our opportunity as practitioners of this is to share more
2: I love that I love that so much. I just think that that's such a great perspective I'm sure you agree Lisa that you know just being able to be you know bring that sense of um the more people who know the more people who have power power is just absolutely brilliant. I love that. I'm going to take that.
3: You that one. Marcia, love it. I'm going 90 I would, seconds.
4: I would love yeah. to add to that. The reason why and I don't know about uh, Marsha and Janine but the reason why I have this information is because I had the privilege of having a relationship where he paid for all the bills. And because he paid all the bills, I had the time and opportunity to take courses. And I know that there's a lot of pay inequity. And because there's pay inequity, people are struggling still just to have food on the table, pay the rent, have their mortgage, have heating in the northern uh, states. And when we have that privilege of learning more information, I think if you can teach it, spread it, support others, it's so valuable. It, exactly what you said, Janine. Spread this information, educate others, and help them learn how. The it's like a combination right how to get that little internal combination to align perfectly so you could start learning that. insight for yourself, how can you start changing your perspective, how can you see the light at the end of the tunnel. I created something called the 50 30 20 rule for emotional intelligence and I played off of the budget 50 30 20 rule for budget budgeting, but I basically it means for 50 seconds can you pause and see the opportunity in something? And then for 30 seconds, can you give gratitude? And then for 20 seconds, can you pause and breathe? So if you know that you're in a situation where you're triggered, usually you can't find anything to be grateful for, and that will start helping you shift. So what am I grateful for? Where is the opportunity? Where's the lesson for me? And this will start guiding you on a step to, to seeing differently. Gaining a different
2: perspective there's a great book by um, I don't know if you know it by um, Nathan Francis and called the upside of uncertainty Um, and it's very much about that sort of when you're when you're uncertain when you're feeling like. don't know what's going to come next you feel stressed and you and i think when when that sort of stress and pressure builds up you um you know kind of get into these spiraling moments uh but trying to reframe and reposition and taking those 100 seconds sounds like a really good way of being able to find the possibility and the upside in uncertainty as well so great tips
1: it just this conversation Mm -hmm. has just been quite powerful in recognizing for me in terms of um, you know emotional intelligence really being at the core um, and having that self-awareness and being able to spread that is so key Um, but in that vein um, when we're talking about um, spreading that and educating other people which is so powerful um, just taking it for like our local and global organizations um, we recognize that they're becoming, you know, more multicultural and they're becoming more diverse um, and in terms of talent and and skills. Um, how can we take, um, you know, um, how can leaders take that in terms of um, learning uh, cultural uh, intelligence and taking that moving forward with that? How does that? How do, how they how, how can they use that for learning?
3: Yeah, Priya, if I can jump in there, because I am currently in a in a situation where um, 80% of the company is outside the US and 20% is in the US and Mm -hmm. being an American, right? I'm navigating across all of that. So if you can ground it in a in a tool or any assessment that starts off with this is this is the current state of your team or the organization, um, it opens the door to understanding those other cultures. So I do think CQ at local and global, because it focuses on all the differences um, and all your cultural experience, it naturally opens up to getting to know other people. So instead of doing like a DISC assessment or at least strengths or personalities, this is an area where it's like, wow, we can all really be more comfortable sharing our differences in this way and really talking through that because no matter where you are it's, it's it's acceptable right there's no right or wrong answer about it but then taking that tool to say wow my difference here in one country to your difference we can actually talk about that so one one of the tools I use is storytelling through podcasts um, at my company to really facilitate that and uphold each difference in every place so it's it's a goal of mine um to uphold that i think cq can certainly help with that um, and beginning that journey and kind of rush you know pull, pulling it around because in some countries we don't talk about it at all um, some countries we we still debate what the word race means Right? Um, But talking about the cultural differences and nuances of what these words mean across the world, that is the conversation. It's not to say your definition's wrong and might is wrong. They're all right. When I get into the Latinx population, Latin, Latina, Latino, Hispanic, all of the definitions are right and upholding and acknowledging all of them is important. But the debate, it's a distraction. It's a distraction of just saying we have different communities that are constantly evolving and all of these terms are welcome right? Even in the LGBTQ plus community, all of the terms are welcome, yet we're constantly seeing pushback of why are there more? And it's why not? Why not? That That is really what we have today is a changing, changing demographic around the world. Um, so, th- so that's my perspective on it is the, the deepening and expanding these definitions is a positive thing, but we have to get that skill set of CQ to talk about it and embrace it differently.
1: What do you think, Marcia, uh, in terms of uh, what would help in terms of leaders learning uh, about CQ and what CQ is?
2: I think it's coming back to the idea that, you know, the language of CQ is not confrontational, um, but the level of introspection can be uncomfortable and just being able to um, have a conversation where uh, if if you recognise across like the last I don't know how many decades there's all this research that shows if you have an inclusive culture in your organisation you'll be more profitable your staff engagement will go up um, you'll be more innovative um, if you if you've got that all the diverse perspectives and an inclusive culture you have to bring those two things together and you'll create those equitable outcomes with these other business outcomes. And when it comes to leaders of organizations who, um, basically want a better bottom line, it comes down to the fact that actually this isn't about EDI. This isn't about emotional intelligence. This isn't about cultural intelligence. It's about better organizational effectiveness and ultimately better business performance and when you spend the time and the money and the effort and give the agency and resource to those who have the expertise um you you know it's proven all the data shows that if you're willing to lean into the discomfort that the culture change can bring the everything just works profitability staff engagement innovation um uh you know happiness indexes all of these things that 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 uh inclusion narrative uh around the organization just is improved but it takes effort it takes consciousness around the behavior it takes that self-awareness um and ultimately uh it benefits all so i always end up saying well why wouldn't you rather than why would you
4: for, for me, I'd like to jump in there. You said it, Marsha. It's about paying the experts to come in and implement these strategies. And it, it is training. I recently did a training on mentorship for an organization in Oregon, and we were talking about active listening. And there was examples of how they're not active listening. Everyone can rate themselves as a high active listener, but how many times have you left the conversation in your mind? How many times did you remind yourself, "Oh, I got to get back in." What, what what did they just say and then your mind goes backtracks to the last couple of words they said and you're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, I'm present, I'm here." But are you truly present? So for an organization to really implement these strategies, it has to be embedded. So DEI is a great add-on, but it has to be truly part of the culture. We really care about what you're saying. We want to hear what you're saying. We're teaching feedback. We're teaching communication skills. We're teaching about diverse cultures. There was an organization who didn't want to deal with a specific uh, organization because they were Chinese and they were saying they're always trying to cut my prices. And I said, well, if you look at the culture, that's their style. That's a style of negotiating and you have another style of negotiating. So why don't you come to the table and start learning more about who they are as an an entity, a group, an organization, and see how you work together best. It's not about cutting off people. And I think that's one of the biggest issues that we have. If we don't know how to communicate with someone, we detach and it's all about connecting. And connecting as equals not as higher than or lower than but it's truly an art to see someone else and value them and see how i can bring them value they can bring me value and how it's a really a win-win so people talk a lot about that but i think the how is missing and that's where bringing in the right experts to come in to talk about it comes in
3: and liz if i can jump in too, and marcia You know, I think the other piece of this is that some of these things have ratings where you're self assessing yourself and that's the hard part where the experts can help because they can really interpret what's happening with all the players in the room and give honest, constructive criticism by observations, because at the end of the day, we all have work to do. um, And we we need to have a plan of accountability of how we're going to move forward to advance. And it's not that we're going to have a perfect today or in three months, but if we don't have an honest look of the work that we can do as individuals across the board, that's where it's not going to shift. So it's great if you can bring in and, and do some of these assessments and if everyone checks the box and says I did it I, I know everything about this now and I can I'm doing it but then where's the measurement come in where does the measure come in, come in of what your progress is because it's not that you get it right in day two it's that you make progress over months and years and we check in with each other and say honestly how are we doing right it's your health checkup but your doctor how am I really doing am I really meeting all the goals I need to be the healthiest person I can be? And the answer is not always what you want. Um, but that, that's a hard check, check in moment. Um, and without accountability, these tools, they're going to sit there and be tools on the shelf, a book on the shelf. So that's, that's the other piece of the challenge here is how do we get change to occur over time?
2: I just want to, um, sort of just quickly say that uh Liz in 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 response to your active listening piece I want to ensure you that at no point during this conversation have I ever tuned out I've been constantly actively listening the whole time promise promise
1: <laughs> you just had to prove that point. we're we're witnessing we're witnessing we're seeing us Martha, students of activists. <laughs> <laughs> um I just I I just wanted to just quickly go back to the point around really embedding um, this into the culture of an organization and, um, you know, really having that piece there and that it's, it's, it's part of the culture. Um, and just going back to that when we're talking about organizations or we're talking about companies, um, you know, when we're talking whether it's uh, local or whether it's global. And, you know, we've had the conversation about the importance about um, EQ and how that is really at the core. Uh, You know, we've talked a lot about self-awareness and we've talked a lot about having that piece be really important and very present. Um, But should leaders have the capacity when we're talking about um, EQ and uh, CQ, should they have the capacity to uh, learn both of those? I, I can be, if I
2: can go say yeah, yes yeah yeah like I'm sure in, yeah I'm sure <laughs> Janine and I mean there's you know yes and it's never either or it's always this and you mm. know why would you close yourself off from an opportunity to learn and develop and also you know the culture of any this is something from Greener and Whitaker wrote in 2015 in their school book in their books uh, School Culture Rewired the culture of any organization is shaped by the worst behaviors leaders are willing to tolerate well, you know, I, I'd like to flip that and say so the culture of any organisation can be shaped by the best behaviours leaders are willing to demonstrate. So, how do you demonstrate those behaviours? What are those those behaviours? Well, it starts with that self awareness piece, of course, like Luz uh, has described. But also, you know, as Janine says, you can, you know, with both of the, the EQ and CQ assessments, you can, you know, pinpoint where you are individually. But when you're shaping a culture as a t- leadership team how you embed those into your policies, procedures, and practices is about behaviors and discipline. So it's a combination of having the role modeling, making sure everyone understands why you want to behave inclusively, making sure the training's in place, but importantly, they supportive formal mechanisms. How you do your recruitment, your procurement, your, your, your HR policies, they all have inclusivity baked into them from that point of view of understanding that, you know, individuals are as diverse as there are you know multiples of them on the planet uh, so um yeah leadership needs to to step up and uh, take responsibility and know acknowledge actually they don't know everything <laughs> and there is an opportunity always to learn and grow and the best leaders learn and grow constantly throughout their careers if i could
4: yeah. jump in i'd like to say three points Um, Number one, not all leaders lead from the front. We have this assumption that the leader has to be the mouthpiece, the leader, the visionary, everything. But if you really look at Steve Jobs, he knew how to see someone's brilliance and put them in the right position, just like Tim Cook, for example. And so with with that being said, I've been brought into organizations as an EQ facilitator and coach. I come in with problem VPs give them some eq assessments and coaching and this and language strategies around their language and how they speak with other people um so there might be emotional awareness emotional intelligence but how about the self regulation part i've dealt with individuals who know that they're being offended but and then they don't know how to regulate that behavior and then how do you intermingle that with all these diverse individuals in an organization so i agree with marsha that it's a it's it's a tandem it's not like it's one over the other body language is part of it tone of voice all of these play a part in relationship building and in discovering unconscious biases if i'm ready to discover how i interact with you how my past experiences come into play in this space and people say my truth but i realize it's not my truth it's my experience from a part of me that could have been a filter And so that could also be in your space, a filtered experience. How do we overcome this with the emotional intelligence and cultural intelligence, and then come together again at an even playing field where we don't want that to um, mess, you know, like create carnage. We really wanna get the most out of people. And so for a leader to help his organization really thrive and have a competitive advantage, it's just beneficial.
3: Liz, I'll just add like the one other piece here is I love when leaders come to me and ask me for these tools because it really just shows that open mindset, right? So to me, I'm leading from behind too. It's saying, okay, here's here's what I would do. You open and then I'll I'll jump in. I'll jump in with the skill and walking it through, but then I do want you to jump up and And reaffirm the behaviors, right? And be vulnerable. Their vulnerability is the piece where that's the opener and the grow moment. So that that's the best way. But we know we don't always have that. So um, moving to company values and, and what the aspirations are and those goals of a company, that can also help navigate all of this. So all of this comes with it with open mindsets to embrace this and be open to change. That That's really where we're all gonna grow. So I, I love it when I hear people asking for, what else can we do? What else can we learn? what can we get to know of each other to make it more impactful and I think that's where CQ and EQ they can really shine um with those leaders really just being willing to be vulnerable
0: yeah and I you know I'm hearing this and I you know just before we close uh, you know it, it reminded me of a situation recently where you know I raised the fact that we need to start thinking about cultural intelligence uh in a you know in a bureaucratic public sector organization and they're you know, a lot of them are as you know within those areas it's just they're very resistant to change want to mm-hmm. remain with the status quo and you know cultural intelligence is not even something that's there even though they serve a population of of millions of people millions of different cultures and not fully understanding especially given the fact that you know in canada there's there's a there's a plan to have uh, i believe it's like you know 5 million new immigrants to the country in the next uh 10 years or something so it's understanding those cultures and, and incorporating them a- into the organization, and having them feel comfortable, but also having the vulnerability to feel uncomfortable uh, in the sense that you're learning about them and not having not uh, you know being taken aback by their differences in in you know a handshake or their speech or etc. So so you know like you said lose it's not about necessarily about the title of having a leader or leading from the front people can leave from the back and it's not even just about that it's just more mm-hmm. about taking that responsibility and that's where uh that's where we're learning about this and now that we can tack on a mo- um, cultural intelligence to this conversation and you know I appreciate all that's been said today and and you know what I've learned a lot from all of you and I'm and I can speak uh I can speak on behalf of Priya for that as well so uh thank you for 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 this conversation it was really great and I just want to close by just finding out, uh, you know, where people can find you. So, Marsha, where can people find you?
2: So I'm on LinkedIn at Marsha Ramrape and unheardvoice.co.uk. And uh,
0: Janine?
3: Janine Ting-Jansen, you can find me on LinkedIn. Use all three names to find me. <laughs> and uh, I'm really happy to connect and share any of these learnings. Thank you.
0: And lose.
4: I'm also on LinkedIn. You can find me Luz Gonzalez, Luz hyphen EQ Refined. And I'm also on Instagram, EQ with Luz, L-U-Z. And uh, my website, eqrefined.com.
0: All right. uh, That's a wrap. And uh, I appreciate all all that's been discussed today. And uh, thanks again, everyone.
3: Thanks, Andre. Thanks, Marsha Luz
1: everyone